you know, I was uh, really asking the Lord what I, what I could share this morning. And I, I really uh, just had this impression that as I came and I, and I was thinking of Paul, the apostle. And I thought, you know, he would be an amazing man to, to have a, a Bible study on this morning. So I want to look at, at the life of Paul, the, the apostle, because after all, he was the most successful and anointed Christian the world has ever seen. Amen. He's really an amazing character. He was a man that God used to change the world. He had miracles. He had visions. He's wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Uh, he raised the dead. You know, you could go on and on uh, about uh, about the life of Paul. You know, he was a man of exemplary character who brought revival and planted churches and whose uh, impact the, the world is still experiencing. What a man. Amen. Thousands of years later, generations after generation have been impacted by the words of Paul. I think we could look at this man and we could learn from him and we could can really benefit by trying to apply some of the things that he, he taught us uh, and some of the things that he lived by example. And so if we do that, we'll experience the blessing of God. Because I believe Paul was blessed. How about you? Singularly blessed of the Lord. So if we can can learn from Paul, we're going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, You know, he was one of those individuals that regardless what came, no no matter how many difficulties and adversity arose against him, he was a man who triumphed. And so really, his life is worthy of study. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And um, I really hope and pray that that God will will speak to you. So let's just ask the blessing of God upon the word of the Lord this morning. Father, we look to you for the words of eternal life. We look to you to make the, the word of God alive in our hearts, to bring change and growth that we might come close to you. Lord, our heart's desire is to draw close to you. And you promised that if we draw close to you, that you will draw close to us. And so through through the scriptures this morning, I pray that there would be an impartation of the Holy Spirit's love, that you would draw us into into your presence, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would build us up. And so, Lord, speak to us, I pray, this morning in Jesus' glorious, wonderful name. You know, Paul was a man of inspired passion and commitment, wasn't he? You know, wherever he went... He made an impact. He either had a revival or he had a riot. He was one of those. He was just one of those guys that you can't ignore. And uh, so wherever he went, he, he was determined to to preach the gospel, and he was to, determined to preach the uncompromising word of God. And how we need a church today to stand up and preach the uncompromising word of God. Can you say Amen? It is so important in these days. You see. Like Jesus, Paul made a plan. You're either for me or you're against me. There's no sitting on the fence with Paul. You know, you either follow me, you follow my teaching, or you don't. But you're not going to sit in the middle ground because there is no middle ground. You see, Paul didn't believe in comfortable Christianity, I'm sorry to say. And this message will not be a comfortable message. But it has touched my heart, I can tell you. I feel really blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. But you know, he wasn't a man for preaching uh, a three-point sermonette and go home for tea. He wanted radical change. He wanted the power of God released in our lives. He wanted the anointing upon the body of Christ because he knew that we needed it. He knew, and he poured out his spirit and his life uh, in, in doing that. You see, uh, 
He understood that the sacrifice of Christ compelled Paul to demand more of the church. He compelled more from the church. He didn't let you just sit there and be lukewarm. He wanted you to be passionate. He wanted you to be sold out. I want to give you a test this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> Look, we have so many teachers in the congregation. I thought, you know, you, you guys always gave us tests when we were in school. So I'm going to give you a test this morning. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I want, to, I want you to grade yourself. I mean, so good. I was never given that option at school. But, but you can grade yourself this morning. I'm going to give you three categories. Are you radically on fire for God today? Category number one. Are you just okay with God? Or are you cold and indifferent to God? Those are your three choices. How would you describe yourself this morning? Radically on fire and passionate for Jesus. Okay with Jesus. Or lukewarm and um, uh, or cold. Of course, I, I deliberately said okay because I didn't want you to choose lukewarm. But if you said okay, that means you're lukewarm. And what does the Bible say about being lukewarm? God will spew us out of his mouth. Yeah. And so we have to then look at our lives, depending on where you graded yourself. You know, we have to say, okay, God, I want more of you. I don't know about you, but God is stirring my heart these days. I cannot get enough of God. I'm waking up early in the morning. I'm me memorizing copious amounts of scriptures. I'm having wonderful quiet time. And the more I have of God, the more addicted I become. Because there is no high like the most high. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a new fire that God is kindling in me. And I'm wanting it and I'm craving it. And you know, the more I have it, the more I've got to pursue. I've got to get back on topic. Otherwise, I'll never get through all I, that I want to say this morning. But you know, that, that was Paul's um, response. That he demanded that the, that the church respond to Christ's death on the cross and his burial. And his resurrection. He didn't let them just sit on the, the fence and be lukewarm. He demonstrated and demanded holiness from himself and his followers. Amen. Absolute holiness and, and commitment. That's not to say that we don't make mistakes. Because I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm not perfect. My wife, don't say amen. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. We are all strugglers on, on the road. To, to God's grace, amen? And if it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would make it because we all fall and we all make mistakes. God loves the fallen. He lifts the fallen. He loves those that, that are broken. But he wants to do a work in each and every one of us. So Paul demanded holiness from himself and his followers that men and women would be uh, men of integrity and honor, blameless in the sight of God and the sight of the world. That's what I love about Daniel. You know, his enemies looked at Looked at Daniel and they wanted to accuse him and they couldn't find anything. What a challenge. If we're going to be like, like Paul and like Daniel, if they were to examine your life and my life, could they find anything to accuse you of? And they said, Paul, uh, Daniel's blameless, so you know, let's get on with it. And we'll have to accuse him of something to do with his religion. But, you know, Christians need to demonstrate the truth of the gospel by the way that they live. Like Christ, Paul and his followers would rather die than bring shame on God and the church. Disgrace, uh, the, the cause of Christ, was the ultimate humiliation, worse than death, for Paul's followers. And so he really wanted, to, uh, he wanted his people to deal with compromise and lukewarmness of any kind. They were totally unacceptable, deplorable 
in his eyes. Paul understood that a mediocre, lukewarm church is going to make no impact. And I'm telling you, the world has looked at the church and found us wanting. They've looked at us and they say, there's no difference between you and I. You compromise. There's sin in your life just like you. And Paul would be horrified if he could stand before the modern church. I really believe that. I really believe that. And so Paul demanded that, that the church stand up and no longer be mediator and, and, and um, not lukewarm because he knew that a lukewarm church would never change the world around about them. So he called on ordinary men and women to an extraordinary level of commitment and faith in Christ. He called on them to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ, to live an unblemished, radical, uncommitted life for the cause of Christ. I think that's one of the things that's missing in the modern gospel. This, this ability to say, hey, we need to lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. We've become the all in all in the church. It's all about what God can do for me, what I can get out. And thank God that God wants to bless us with, with wonderful things. He's a wonderful God. And everyone said? Amen. He's a great God. But, you know, we have to be those that uh, realize that the gospel is not about us. We're not the ultimate end. Jesus Christ is and Him crucified. That's whom we're supposed to be glorified. So we need to be fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Notice what Paul says to his followers. And I'm reading to you from Philippians 4.9. It's a very simple little message. You'll be glad about that. Uh, it says this. Those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. <laughs> And the God of peace shall be with you. He demanded that the church be doers of the word. What a radical idea. What a stunning. That the church should be believers and doing the word of God. And he wouldn't accept no for an answer. You had to, to have a passion. You had to have a fire for God. And to be willing to put the teaching into practice. That was what Paul demanded of his followers. What you've seen and heard in me, do. He lived it. He wasn't asking them to do anything that he wasn't prepared to do himself. But he demanded that the church be doers of the word. And you know, as a result of that, for hundreds and even thousands of years now, we're still amazed and marvel at the exploits of Paul and the early church. Because they were committed to doing the word of God, they turned the world upside down. They made an impact because they separated themselves from the things of the world and they lived for Christ and they honored Christ in word, in thought, and in deed. And because of that, hundreds and thousands of years later, we are still talking about Paul and the early church. He's still having an impact on, on the world and he's inspired multitudes of people because he's changed the world for the better. I believe it's time for the church to learn those lessons again. Can you say amen? amen. I believe that. I believe that. You see, if you look back in Paul's history, he's, he was violently opposed to the church, wasn't he? I mean, he, he was the guy uh, that, uh, when he started out, he was persecuting the church. He was not a real Christian. And, uh, in fact, he hated Christians. And uh, he did everything that, that he could to destroy the church. Uh, he went around and, and uh, he consented to the, the, the death of, uh, of Stephen because he didn't agree with what Stephen preached. You know, so let's put him to death. 
He arrested people who didn't think like he did and threw them into jail. They, he imprisoned them and consented to their death. And, and one day he was on, on his way to Damascus, not content with trying to destroy the church in Jerusalem. He went to Damascus, which is quite away from Jerusalem, with letters from, from the high priest to arrest all the Christians, for all those who believed in Jesus. Do you know that, that he'd be on his way to arrest you and I this morning? Isn't that a comforting thought? <laughs> because we proclaim the name of Jesus, Paul was going to have us arrested and put, and put into prison. And that would be a very difficult thing to have to deal with. But God had other plans. You know that how on the road to Damascus, um, God had thought, this is a chosen vessel. The most unlikely chosen vessel you could ever imagine, if you don't mind me saying so. A guy that was anti-church and, and, and tried to destroy it. God says, hey, he's my chosen vessel. God chooses those that, that you would least think. And so he appears to Paul on the road to Damascus. Man, blinding revelation. And he, he, he is confronted by Jesus. And suddenly Paul's life is radically changed. It's transformed. And uh, one moment in the presence of Christ transformed his life. It turned his life upside down, his uh, world inside out. One moment in Christ's presence and he became a new man. All things passed away. Now Paul is not only ready to serve Christ, but to die for Christ and to give his all for the kingdom of God. You see, what we need, whether we know it or not, is really to come into God's presence. What we need is found in God's presence and only in God's presence. God is a gracious, loving, wonderful God. Here was somebody who's trying to destroy what God was doing. And God had his hand upon him and said, no, I love you. You're a chosen vessel. The church probably was saying, oh, don't have anything to do with Paul. In fact, they were very, very nervous about it. You know, and it, it took them a little while because he was so murderously opposed to the church. And yet God called that person to become one of the greatest leaders that the world has ever seen in Christendom. So one moment in the glory can change everything. One touch from God. Lives are changed. The sick are healed. Captors are free. And the rebellious are brought to heal. Hallelujah. How many of you rebelled against God? Oh, yes. yes, I am. <laughs> I, I ran from God for many years. Hallelujah. You see. But, so, let, here's a word of encouragement. Don't worry uh, if, if your loved one, your, your partner, uh, is violently opposed to the gospel. You could be a Saul or a Paul. You know? Just keep praying that they'll have a God encounter. Because in God's presence, everything changes. Everything becomes amazing and glorious. Not that it's not, that doesn't mean it's easy and wonderful, but it is uh, uh, glorious and, and powerful. So from here on, after, uh, after his encounter with God, poor loyalty, devotion, and energies are given to Christ. He became Christ's ambassador, a servant of the living God. I want to read a couple of words that he wrote about the, the times uh, when in, in the early church. It's found in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 21. And afterwards I came into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith he once destroyed. That, and they glorified God in me. What amazing turnaround! That this man was having an impact because he would begin to preach Jesus. 
people began to get saved and healed and delivered. Immediately, Paul starts preaching that Jesus Christ is God. How many of you know that back in, 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 the, in the history of Israel, that was rebellious. That was inflammatory. That was something that would cause a riot. In fact, if you read about it in the book of Acts, he goes to his first preaching meeting and thinks, I wonder if I'm, I'm called to the ministry. I'm, I'm going to go and preach. And he preaches that Jesus Christ is God. And there is a riot in the town. They, they actually start saying, we're going to kill this guy. We don't like his message. I hope you're enjoying my message better than that one. And don't give any ideas, please. I, I'm not looking for that. But, um, you know, they, they were radically opposed to him, and, and they wanted to kill him. You know, and so, if, and if they put hold of him, they would have torn him limb from limb. And uh, it was so bad that the disciples said, man, brother, you can't go out that gate because they will tear you to pieces. He said, what we'll do is we'll wait till at, at midnight, and we'll put you in a basket and lower you out over the city walls. Oh, what an uh, ignominious start in the ministry. <laughs> how, how embarrassing to be lowered out of a basket and, and, and to run for your life with your tail between your legs. But you see, he caused an upset. Why? Because he preached Jesus and him crucified. And that's the message that the church must come back to. We must come back to preaching Jesus and him crucified. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, it was really a tough thing. Immediately starts preaching, pastors God. You know, I think that Paul learned an invaluable lesson there. You know what he discovered? Ministry is not easy. <laughs> Those who, who don't think it is don't last because they're hirelings. You know, if you're going to uh, be used of God in any way, any shape, any fashion or form, you must first die to yourself. One of the big problems in the, in the church today is we're not dead to ourselves. We're trying to feed the old man. We want him, he wants him blessed. We want him anointed. We want him empowered. We want him, we want all these good things. But we don't want to die. The Bible says we've got to die to self. And when we die to self, then God gives us all these things. Typically, the church is putting the cart before the horse. But that's okay. We'll put that right. So, if you're going to be used for God for anything, you're going to suffer. You know, the great lesson is misunderstanding and ministry go hand in hand, don't they? What was Paul trying to do? He was trying to help the people. And they wanted to tear him limb from limb. They wanted to kill him. Welcome to ministry, Paul. When you try and do anything from God, people are not going to always understand. And they're going to be opposed to you if you're really lifting up Jesus Christ. And him glorified. I think at, at that point, you know, if that had been my first sermon, and I had that kind of reaction, and I was going to escape from the city with my life, I would have been thinking, Oh, Lord, have you really called me? I hope so. But, you know, that would have been a bit dodgy, wouldn't it? Many people, I think, rightly would have quit. They said, that, That's it, man. I'm, I'm not going to jeopardize my life for this. And so there's a difference between a hireling. And a man called from God. You know, a hireling is somebody uh, who is not really serving God. They are serving self. And there are many pulpits today and pews that are filled with Christians who are serving themselves. Aren't we called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Are we not bought with his blood? We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And as we serve God, God will bless us. Let's not get it the other way around. We need to come back to that. We cannot be self-serving Christians. You see, these kind of pastors who do that won't challenge you to lay your life down for Christ. You know why? Because they won't do that. And they would expose their hypocrisy. And so the church languishes in mediocrity, wallows in worldliness and self-indulgence. What a picture of the church. But Paul was a man of substance. He wasn't like that. He would endure to the end, faithfully fulfilling his calling. He paid the price. And that's why he's gone down as a hero in church history. You know, that, that God wants to use you in powerful ways and, and, and bless you. But we have to do things His way. I want you to just look a little bit at, at some of the things he said about the beginning of his ministry. You can find it in Philippians 4.15. And he says this, Now ye Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You know what that says to me? He had virtually no support. And yet he backed out uh, and, and still did what God called him to do. He launched out and did his ministry. He put his trust in God. He had nothing but the promises of God and, and the backing of a few people. But he still went and did what God called him to do. You see, I, I'm told and, and have experienced in some small degree uh, that uh, this to be true, that when people want to go into the ministry today, they come to the, the, the pulpit committee, and do you know what their first and number one question that they ask is, what is the pay? What pension plan, plans do you have? What is the packet uh, uh, that, that I get? What's my leave condition? These, while uh, are fair questions, that ought not to be the first thing on our mind. Amen. You know, when, when I went into the ministry nearly 40 years ago, um, they, they, they came to me and they said, man, we, we love your ministry. We really want you uh, to come be a, a part of us. And um, they said, there's only one problem. I said, yes, what's that? They said, we can pay you absolutely nothing. I thought, oh, this is <laughs> the start of my ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So I said, okay, uh, let me go and pray about that. So I went and prayed. And you know, God said, go and do it. And I prayed. The first month came by and there was no paycheck. I thought they weren't joking. They were serious. The second month went by, the third month, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. A year went by, 18 months. And I didn't get one love gift, not one offering. Not, hey, thank you for all that you're doing. I was working my fingers to the bone. And after 18 months, I had expended every penny that I had saved. And I thought, now what, God? And at that moment, God opened a door for me to go and uh, plant my first church. And it was wonderful because I had one tithing family. And so I had a whole lot more money, <laughs> relatively speaking. And so for years and years, uh, until the church grew, you know, when, when you've got a handful of people, uh, you, people are not excited to join your church. But I discovered once we'd grown that church into the biggest church in town, we couldn't stop people from coming in the door. Everybody came in. They all wanted to be part of our church. And so, uh, but for a long time, it was really difficult. I came to New Zealand. God called me to come to New Zealand. And uh, we weren't known by, by the, the leadership here. And they said, we'd like you to preach in, in a particular church, which will be nameless. 
And uh, so I said, yes, okay, that's fine. I'm happy to do that. And so I went there, and the first thing the guy said to me was, uh, hey, welcome to the team. I'm afraid we've got no salary to offer you. I said, okay. So first one month went by, and next six months went by, a year went by, 18 months went by. I said, God, I'm in the same place again. What are you doing to me? You know? And so you kind of figure out whether you're called of God or not, because if you're not, you know, you're going to walk away from situations like that. So we started the church. We, we pioneered the church. I thought, God, if you give me one family, I know I'm going to be better off. Hello. <laughs> you know? So he, uh, we did, and he did. And uh, today, uh, we, you know, we're really happy. And I, I just love you guys. You guys are my family. You're, you're the only guys I know, so you, you're stuck with me, I'm afraid. So, here we go. But, you know, that was very much the same with Paul. He launched out with not much backing. And uh, he, put, he just went everywhere that God sent him. He crossed the world, preaching the word of God, on riverbanks, in synagogues, in houses, wherever God opened doors, he preached. And by the time God was finished, the world knew about this man. He'd become a, a, a hero. He's gone down in history as a man that God used to change the world. Was it easy for Paul? No. Sometimes people look at you, especially when you've got a big church and you know, a radio ministry and all, all the trimmings, and people look at that and they say, oh, you know, you don't know what it's like to suffer. Okay. All right. Anyway, so this is Paul's own words, and he's writing about uh, his experience. He says, to this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated, and we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. We are slandered and we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we've become the scum of the earth and the refuge of the world. Whew. That's pretty harsh. You know, we have suffering in the church today, don't you? Yeah. You know, We have suffering in the church today. People come and, and they've, they've told me, they said, Pastor, I'm never coming back to this church. Somebody sat in my, in my chair and I'm not coming back. Somebody else parked in my parking space. I'm not coming back. We suffer. Bless you, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The pastor didn't say hello to me. Oh, glory. And that Paul was no hireling. He was no hireling. He was a true man of God. He suffered for the Lord. And when Paul says, hey, that he loved God, I believe him. It was not lip service. He paid the price. He really and truly loved God. You know, this is real devotion and dedication. You know, because why? Preaching Christ was more important to Paul than worldly possessions and preacher comforts. You know, I walked away from a job where I would be a, a multi-millionaire today. And I'm so glad that I, I was miserable in, in that lifestyle. But I am so content in, in the kingdom of God. I thank God for every opportunity of blessing. I thank God for what God has done in my life. I'm happy and I love the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, you know, and that was Paul's attitude. You know, he, he thought that uh, worldly possessions and creature comforts weren't nearly as important as preaching and declaring the gospel. To declare Christ, to make the messenger, the savior, the good news known, cost Paul everything. Lifting up Jesus and his word was more important than life itself. See, Paul was really dead to himself. He was just living for God. That challenges me. 
As I think about, we can, we can do, do you want just a little sermon? We can tell some funny stories, or, or do, do you really want to, to be challenged this morning? Challenge. Oh, okay. So I've got some, someone challenged, some, someone, so funny stories? No? No. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's, when I think about what Paul did, it challenges me. What am I prepared to do for Christ? How committed am I? What will I sacrifice for the cause of Christ? Is my worship lip service? The depth of my love is, is, is measured not by what I say, but by our obedience. Did you know that? You can know how, how much you love God by prepare, by what you prepare to do for Him. That's what it's really all about. It's not what you say that proves you love God. It's what you do that reveals your love for Christ. Paul would go to any lengths to preach Christ. Today's church goes to any lengths to avoid preaching Christ in a large number of cases. Not all, thank God. I know some of you share your faith, and I'm really grateful to you for that. But Paul would endure any suffering, beatings, whippings, imprisonment, to make the gospel known. Too many in the church would rather let someone suffer eternal hell and damnation than be laughed at. What has happened to the church? That's my question. I look around at the church today and I think, this church is not what I, when I went into ministry 40 years ago, I've seen some real changes taking place in the church today. I think what's happened is that the church has become a bless me club, a self-centered institution obsessed with success, how to gain financial prosperity, how to live in the blessings. While those things are important, and I thank God for them, and, and we must believe God for them because God wants to give. That cannot be the whole ball of wax. That cannot be the only issue. We must be preaching Christ and Him crucified. We've got to be lifting up the gospel and demanding that people live for Jesus. As one preacher said, the main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. Amen. Yes. Multitudes have given up their lives unto death. True believers have always defended the gospel with their lives. Shadrach, Daniel, Meshach, Abednego, Stephen, Paul. The list goes on. It's endless. Multitudes who have loved not their life unto death to, to lift up Jesus and this gospel that we preach. Why would they give their lives to do that? What faithfulness, what devotion... What worship? Where are the men like that today who will make the supreme sacrifice for Jesus? Today, I'm too stressed to do that. Well, I'm burnt out, Pastor. I can't do that. You know, the one time uh, Paul was having a wonderful evangelistic uh, outreach, and he went to a little place called Lystra and he started preaching. And uh, the crowd distinctly didn't like what he was saying. And so they grabbed hold of him. Can you imagine? Just, I'm preaching away, and suddenly the biggest guys in the church come and they stand, and they march for, and they drag him outside, and they stone him to death because they didn't like his preaching. Wow. That is rejection, big time. You know your message is not all that popular if, you get, if that happens to you. And they leave him for dead. You know the story. Paul gets up really <laughs> and he decides he's going back into the town where they've just rejected and stoned him. Man, that's courage. That's commitment. 
That's what it really means to lay your life on the line to serve Christ. You see, some ministers will only tell you what you want to hear. Not what you need to know. Thank God for those who tell you what you need to know. Not just what you want to hear. You know, you have to decide. And Paul had to decide. Was he going to be a man pleaser or a God pleaser? And you and I are faced with the same question. Are we going to live for the praise and the glory of men and do what men require of us? Or are we going to live for the glory and the praise and the honor of God? Are we going to be God pleasers? You can't sit on the fence. You have to decide. You see, to fit in can lead to compromise, lukewarmness, and sin. And everyone say, Half of you are going to sleep. I'll try and raise it up. But okay. So, Paul loved the people enough to tell them the truth, and that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Look at the man after being stoned. He's, you know, most men would say, "Man, if this is the ministry that just about tore me apart in the Book of Acts, and now they want to now they're stoned." And ah, you can have the ministry. I quit. He wasn't a hardy. You could you could do whatever you like to Paul. He was not. Uh, he, was, he was a robo, a robocop. You know, it's like you just don't stop him. Anything happens, he just keeps on going. He's an amazing man. Paul gets up and goes back into the city. That takes courage. Raw, unabashed courage. Strength, determination, commitment. Wow. Nothing would stop this man. Thank God for the men of courage in the church down through history. Can you say that? Men who have stood up against the culture of the day and say, hey, listen, God loves you, but you need to change what you're doing. If you want to enjoy His blessings, you've got to leave your past life behind you. And thank God for those people. You know, Paul's attitude is, if you don't kill me, I'm going to keep on preaching. No wonder he turned the world upside down. You know, a man like that is going to get into trouble with the authorities very, very quickly. And no sooner had he been preaching and he was arrested and thrown into a dark, damp, rat and roach infested hellhole. You know, where the vilest of the vile criminals were kept. The smell of unwashed bodies, raw sewage was overpowering and it filled the air. Their treatment was brutal and barbaric. Even from amongst the other prisoners, they were starved and barely alive. Did that keep Paul quiet? No! He wrote six books of the Bible in this place. In this rat-infested hellhole, he is writing to the people on the outside. And do you know what he says in Philippians 4.4? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Man, there had to be some screws loose in Paul's head, I'm sure. Maybe it was just that he had rocks in his head. I don't know. But he writes about his sufferings. You know, we're not ignorant of what he had to, to say. And I, I, I want you to understand that if you're going to serve God, it's not going to be an easy part. I will say to you, it will be incredibly rewarding. It will be one. You will not be sorry if you surrender yourself completely to God. Listen to Paul's sufferings. This is what he said. I worked harder than all of them. Being put in jail more often. Being whipped times without number and faced death again, again, and again. 
Five times I've been whipped with the deadly 39 lashes. You know, that, that, that the Jews stopped at 39 because they, they, they had experience. Sometimes when you beat man for over 39, they died. And so as an act of mercy, they weren't killing them. They were just really severely punishing. They stopped one lash before death. That was the, that, that was the thinking behind that. He said, five times I've been whipped with the deadly 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea all night and the whole of the next day. A couple of years ago before lockdown, we, we were on a, a, a cruise. And I remember that, that my morning's reading was that. So I went out on the deck of the ship and I looked out over the ocean. And I can only imagine what it must have been like for Paul to spend the entire night and the whole of the next day. I looked around and the waves were just going hour after hour without any real hope of salvation. I stagger at what this man experienced. He says, I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and from the death in deserts and in the stormy seas. From men who claim to be brothers in Christ and are not. I have struggled with weariness, pain and exhaustion. I have suffered sleepless nights. Often been hungry and thirsty. And I have gone without food. And many times I have felt frozen with cold. And run around in rags. Then besides all this. I have the constant worry of how the church is getting on. Why is he worried about the church when he's going through a living hell? Because he was a man called by God. And he loved the church. And he had given his life in service to Jesus. And he, he experienced these incredible things. You know what he writes in another place about all the things that he suffered? This, I thought, you've got to be joking. The first time I read this, I thought, Paul, I really don't understand you. Because he says this in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our momentary light afflictions... What? No. no, I must admit that I read that wrong. For our momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. You know what he's saying? The things that we struggle with and suffer with in this world cannot be compared to what God's blessing that we will receive in the fullness of time. That God's blessing is going to be so much kind of uncomparable. You cannot even uh, draw any um, lines to it. For my momentary and light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Man, Paul was a man's man, a leader of men, a leader of leaders, a living legend, a giant amongst men, a hero of the faith, the tower of strength. You know, he's writing to the Philippians later on in his life, and, and it's quite clear that the possibility of death awaits him. And he knows that he might be executed any day now. He writes this, and he, and he says these words, First uh, Corinthians, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, and I'm reading it from the Amplified. It says, This is in keeping with my own eager desire, and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself nor be, be put to shame in anything but that with the utmost freedom of speech 
and unfailing courage. Now, as always, heretofore, Christ, the Messiah, will be magnified and get the glory and the praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or death. See, Paul was willing to die for the gospel. He was willing to die with honor. And he said, I don't want to be put to shame. I don't want to be a cowering limb. God give me strength that I, I might keep preaching the gospel. And you know that he did. He preached the gospel. He wasn't afraid of Caesar or kings because Jesus Christ was his only king, the true king, the king of kings. Amen. And he gave glory to him. You know, the saints of the early church embraced what Paul taught. They embraced death if it would bring glory to God. Challenging, isn't it? They were willing to die if it brought glory to God. You know, Polycarp was arrested for the heinous crime, the terrible crime of being a Christian. That's, that was his only crime when he was, he was arrested. And because he was a really old man, the crowd urged him uh, uh, to, to you know, be, be merciful, to, to take the easy way out. And they, you had to, or there was a, a, a statue of Caesar, and all you had to do is you had to drop a little pincher of incense and say, Caesar is Lord. For some, that would be no big deal. But for Polycarp, a lover, a true lover of God, that became an insurmountable problem for him. And you know what he said? His words are recorded. He said this, 86 years I've served Christ and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? You threaten me with fire that burns for an hour and is over. But the judgment of the ungodly is forever. As they bound him to the stake, they further record his words. That must be, I, I struggle with it. I struck the thought of being burnt. And this is what he says. Not God, bring down lightning, slap all these guys so I can walk free. No, that's not what he said. He said this. Father, I bless you that you have deemed me worthy of this day and hour that I might take a portion, a portion of the martyr's, martyr's cup of Christ. Among these, may I today be welcomed before thy faith as a rich an acceptable sacrifice. I'm crying out to God. I'm saying, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you like these men know you. I, I, I want to be like Polycarp. I want to be like Paul. And yet I'm Robbie Burns and I'm scared. And I say, Lord, I want you to change me. Only you can do that in me. And I, I, I want you to do I want you to make me bold and courageous. I want I don't want to be afraid of men. I want to do that which is right and pleasing in your sight. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. What made these great men so brave and courageous? That thousands of years later we are still talking about their sacrifice. I came to this conclusion. They knew God and they spent a lifetime pursuing him. They had lived in God's glorified presence for so long that they'd say, to live as Christ is gain. To live as Christ, to die is gain. It's far better to be with God than anything that this world has offered. 
You know, as we come into that rarefied presence of God, in every moment we have an opportunity to draw close to God and do that. Every moment we can make changes and make sacrifices for the Lord. When Paul was caught up into paradise, he, 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 he saw things that were just so wonderful and too marvelous even to put into words. And as I close, this is, uh, I, I chose this epitaph for Paul. If I was going to put a, a headstone on Paul's grave, this is what I would choose for him. Philippians 3.8 Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I might win Christ, and be found in him, and that I may know him. There is a depth in God to be explored. If we will pursue and press into God, God will reveal more of Himself to you. I ask you this morning, you really love the Lord. I just would ask you to close your eyes and enter into a time of prayer and seek God. I believe that this is God's operating table. And I want to give you a moment to interact with what you've heard. I want you to think about what we said. God loves us so much. He wants to reveal himself to us in glorious ways. There's more of God to be had. There's more that he wants to take you into. The question is, are you paying lip service to God? Are you behaving like a hiling, self-serving? Or do you really want to follow the Lord? I would love the honor and the privilege of praying for you this morning. If you are determined to press into God today, you're tired of little sermonettes, but you want to change your life. You want to lay hold of God and make radical changes in your life to presume with your whole heart, soul, mind, and body. I'd love the privilege of praying for you. I'm just going to ask you, if, it's, if there's even one person who says, I want to make that commitment to, to just lay aside everything and pursue God with all my heart, if you would stand. I'm not going to Make this easy. You've got to. You've got to mean it. You've got to stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we mean business today. Lord, just about everybody standing this morning. I know that there are those on, on the web, on Zoom, Lord, and we just lift them up before you as well. And Father God, we pray right now in the majestic name of Jesus that this would be a day of transformation. That this would be a day of reckoning, Lord, for the self-centered, self-serving life that we've been living, Lord, for the egotistical 
things that we're doing and say, Lord, help me. I cry out to you. God, save me. God, take hold of my life and change it, transform. Let me live in the glory. Let me live and abide in you. Live and move and have my being in you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to me. Lord, that you would change me, that you would use me for your honor and glory, that I would be bold and courageous, that I would not be shut up like Paul. Lord, we're going to speak in the name of Jesus. We're going to declare the gospel. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters and for myself, Lord, I'm standing alongside them. I'm standing as one of them. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us. Lord, that you would transform our life. Take us from glory to glory. Lord, take us to a higher level in you. Bless us and anoint us. Inspire us. Set a fire in our heart today. Lord, that will not die. That will grow bigger and stronger. A towering inferno. For your honor and glory, help us to lift up your name. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.